Hello everyone, welcome to the Shine a Light On series. Today we'll be shining a light on the power and asking for help with Sharon Kim. Welcome Sharon. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Yes, of course. And to start, do you mind just giving us a brief introduction to who you are? Sure. So I'm Sharon and I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I have provided psychotherapy to pretty much every age group from kids to adults to college students. And I've also had, um, I also worked for a mental health startup for about six months um, on the product and content team. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Very excited to chat with you today. And why do you believe it's it's difficult for people to ask for help in general? Because in my sort of friend group, at least, or people I've mentored before, it seems like it takes a lot just to get to that point. That's a really good question. And it's also, my answer is going to probably be pretty cliche that it's the stigma around it. Um, and I say stigma in that aspect of people are scared of like, what would be the repercussions in the way of like, will somebody look differently at me? Um, will somebody judge me? Um, will they, you know, like avoid me? Like all of those kind of like negative kind of aspects. Um, and so, you know, when people come to me, like that's a lot of the things that they ask me, especially college students. Um, you know, a lot of guys are like, they don't want to tell their male peers because um they're scared that like they're going to be called names or called like um, kind of just derogatory words because like they're, they'll think like you have anxiety or dude or, you know, women, girls as well and women like they're scared um, because they don't want like like their friend group to think like, oh, she's too anxious or she's always depressed. Um, and so I feel like that's a really big barrier to just simply asking for help and recognizing that they need help. Definitely. And I do feel like there are more apps and products around mental health and wellness, but where do you think the stigma came from? Because I agree with you that a lot of people just, they don't want to talk about it or they're embarrassed to talk about it or whatever the reason is, it's sort of unspoken, I think, until maybe recent years. Yeah, I, um, I think my perspective is more that people just can't see it. And like people like the tangible stuff. Like if you have a physical illness, you can you can see it. You like um, your face will turn blue, or like you broke a leg, so you have a cast on. But then when you sometimes like with anxiety, if you can't see it, people think like, do they really have anxiety? Are they really sad? Um, but like usually, like you know that saying goes like the happiest people are usually them are like the most depressed. Um, it's it's hard to it's sometimes hard to show it to people because you're scared of those repercussions and I think that's why a lot of times um, they can't they're not able to show it because maybe some people won't actually believe them and and I hear that so often and I think that's what's like the saddening and like hurting part about like mental health. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I know you just mentioned that you work with college students occasionally, you've worked with many different age groups, and maybe especially students. But from your experiences, what do students typically need help with? And how do you help them navigate through that? Whatever you're, you're open and willing to share. Okay, so if we're going to go to like, <laughs> the realness of the or the honesty, a lot of them come for the romance. 
um, and like the peer group. So the romance of just like, why does this not this guy like me, or why is this girl not calling me back? Um, to school um, and the future of like, I think a lot of well, what, what, during my time when I was um, working out of college, um, they were taught fourth years would come and tell me like. I don't know what I'm going to do about my future or third years would feel um, really sad and, or like undecided about their future in the aspect of like, I'm going to be a fourth year. Why don't I have any internships to like first and second years? It seems like they're more geared towards like, I don't have any friends. I don't know what to do. Um, But of course it's very biased based on my history, but I feel like the like underclassmen were more focused on like the peer groups and then the upperclassmen were more focused on like career and like their future. That makes sense actually, now that you say that. Um, But that is an interesting observation. Do you have any thoughts on, in terms of maybe the, the career development first, we'll start right there first with juniors and seniors. Do you have any thoughts on how it got to be that way for many students enough that you see a pattern in it? Because it seems, I don't know, possibly concerning that there is so much pressure on students that I don't know that they feel like lost or maybe it's the end of the world if they don't get that internship or don't get that job yeah you know I think that's the tricky part especially when it comes to social media on the outside like if you're walking around or you don't have friends who don't talk about it then it doesn't come to your mind but then you have to think about like updating your profile and you see like all those congratulations or like I got this or um also families are asking like hey what are you going to do about your life um and like the kids or like um those college students are thinking like my parents are really pushing me um and like I don't want to disappoint them but like I have no idea what I want to do. And so it's it's like that reassurance that I give to them a lot of saying like, it's okay that you don't know what you want to do because no one, even people in their late 20s, 30s, like 40s, no one knows what they want to do. Like people are constantly switching careers, um, figuring out like who they are, like identity wise. And I think it's the importance of like normalizing, like you don't have to have, your future laid out in four years because that's a very short amount of time don't you think oh yeah definitely definitely agree with you and I am not a therapist (laughs) do not have the same certifications as you but amongst my peers it does seem like these external pressure pressures those being the top two actually the ones you just said family and social media even from like strangers um the pressure of being like as good as the people you see online I feel like those are two big things that sort of lead people to distress. And it's never actually like someone coming to me saying, I'm not capable of doing this thing. And so I'm not going to do it. It's more like, I don't think I'm going fast enough toward, you know, the direction I'm pointing in and therefore something's wrong. Um, Do you notice this pattern at all too? Do students ever like blame themselves um i'm not saying it's the student's fault this is just like a pattern i've noticed too where it's sort of like everything around me tells me i should be at you know the final destination but i don't know how to get there i think it's a lot of the external pressures is what makes it more internalized in a way because everyone has different like success like measures um but i feel like nowadays um it's really about like hey 
um, I got this um, internship or this job at this name. And they're like, oh, my God, why am I not there? Um, or someone saying, I got a full-time offer um, instead of, like, nothing lined up. So it's just, like, hearing it, you, you can't help. Like, I just see, like, a lot of people or, like, a lot of college students just breaking down crying because they're just like, everyone has their life together. Like, why don't I have that? Why? What's wrong with me? And then that's what's being internalized. Like, I'm the one to blame for this lack of success. Um, when in, when the reality is like everyone goes at a different pace. But then when you're hearing like all of this success and like this rapid fire, like that instant gratification of like, I got this in a heartbeat that like um, a lot of them are struggling with that idea of like, oh, something must be wrong with me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. And like, that's what we talk about a lot of like, um, is it really that? Are you sure? Because it sounds to me like you're you're doing so much, like you're graduating, you're you're trying to get all your exams, tests done, you're, you're juggling all of these like um, things around you. Um, and, and I'm thinking to myself like, hell, you're doing a lot. <laughs> and like, and they're like, and, the, and they kind of like that glass shatters in a way of thinking like, I am, but no one is telling them that they're only hearing more and more like, I did this, I got this. And like, all just like, all of that accomplishments are just getting like, pushed to their faces in a way yes which is almost impossible to ignore i would say the only way to ignore those things are to delete every social media account you have and i guess not listen to your parents or whoever is in your family pressuring you and i feel like those are impossible but i do love that last point you brought up um it's something i've been trying to do in my own life where i acknowledge the things i have completed without overthinking the things i have not accomplished yet and it sounds like that's like similar advice that you give to students as well. Um, would you say that's sort of the the top tip that you leave students with when they come to you with these sort of conversations? I don't really give tips. I I feel like the idea of normalizing is what I go for um, because even nowadays, um, when I get like college students, um, when they say like I didn't get this. I, I go to them and I like try to normalize like, hey, failure is okay. Um, or like rejection's okay. Because I think everyone thinks when they see everything, like, oh, they got it on their first try. Um, they have all of these connections in reality. Like no one really knows the behind the scenes. Um, and that person could have gotten like 30, like 30 rejections before they got that first rejection. that success but unfortunately they're only posting that success on LinkedIn or um, on Twitter or something rather than saying like hey I got rejected these past times Um, and so I I strive to let them understand like failure is like personal growth in a way like you're prepared to understand that like you're not always going to get everything you want but that doesn't mean like you can't go along that path it just means you have to take a different path Mm -hmm. yeah no that's that's great advice thank you for sharing that and i'm going to switch gears a little bit for a second so today obviously we're chatting about asking for help in the frame of mental health and wellness in terms of therapy as a solution what do you think often keeps people from going to therapy and 
how can they maybe overcome those obstacles? Honestly, lately, a lot of people have been coming to me, um, friends or just like, um, as I'm on online more, they're asking like, what do I do? Um, Because no one actually knows where to start. And so um, I like, I let them know, like, you know, there's all of these telehealth companies because of COVID. Why don't you try one of these out? Um, Or um, ask your insurance because because they can provide you like the people who will take your insurance because I'm a therapist and I'm going to be real. <laughs> um, therapy can be expensive. Um, and so being able to find like therapists who will be able to like be in that price range. Um, and I also, I think a very important part is like when people are like, but I don't know like what kind of therapist I want. And so I ask, I like ask them like, what kind of person makes you feel comfortable? Um, or what kind of what kind of person do you want that will make you like be motivated? So I've heard recently like a lot of people change therapists because they don't want therapists who are friends. Um, and so I say, okay, so if you don't want a therapist who is a friend, then maybe you should try to uh, think about like, do you want someone who challenges you? Do you want someone who is more strategy driven, someone who um, is guiding you more Um, and asking those questions of like, if you imagine growth, what does that look like for you? Um, And then luckily, like those companies ask you, like, what are you looking for? And so that way you have some kind of like mental image of like the kind of therapist that you're looking for of like, what does growth look like for me? That makes sense. Yeah, it, um, it sounds complicated, uh, but I think at, I think it's um, important to know, like, usually you won't get it on the first try, um, and you're going to have to um, speed date. <laughs> okay. But that's okay. Like, it's better to look around than settle for one person that you're not satisfied with. No, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have suggestions for people? Maybe they know, okay, I think I should go see a therapist. But when it comes time to sort of defining like who they're looking for, I guess why they're looking for a therapist, because I'm assuming that question comes up um, at some point when signing up for something like that. Do you have suggestions for people like how to identify like the needs in their life? Is it usually like, oh, I need help around family things or school things? How does it work? Honestly, I think that's also a pretty tough question because most of the time, most they don't know what they're looking for, so. Um, when I get like a new client, they would use that. They would leave it blank. They would only give like the blurb of like, "Hey, this is my problem, and this is why I'm here." Um, and then I I would always ask them like, "Oh, what are you looking for?" And most times the answer would be like, "I don't know. I'm just trying it out." And I'm like, "Okay." Then I always want to leave it open and let them feel comfortable. Like, "Hey, we had this session." You take you take like a day or so to reflect on if, if you think we are a right fit. And if you don't think so, then you should switch. And there will be no hard feelings um, because I want you to find someone who works for you. Um, but naturally, I would say like, usually you'll know if the therapist is a good fit, you know, after like three or four times. Because like, it's like a friendship. Like you kind of know if you're going to vibe with that person or not. Um, and if you don't feel it or you still feel uncomfortable or you feel like something's like that gut feeling, like maybe this isn't it, then you should probably go with your gut feeling. But 
if you're going in there feeling um, like, oh, this person's like asking the right questions or this person's or you're excited or you're like interested in going, then it sounds to me like maybe this therapist is a right fit. Because mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're not going or you're dreading therapy in a way of like, oh, like therapy, oh, this is going to be boring, then you should be changing therapist. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good to know. No, thank you for that. And would you th- say that therapy is the only solution when it comes to finding help around mental wellness? Mm-hmm. I feel like therapy is the go-to, but there's definitely different um different types of therapy, like there's music therapy, art therapy, there's a lot of apps like uh, for meditation and sleep, like Headspace and Calm. Um, I think the only issue, though, is like with music therapy and art therapy, there's not that many like therapists out there who specialize in that. I think the only issue, though, is like with music therapy and art therapy, there's not that many like therapists out there who specialize in that. Um, so that's why there, that's probably the reason why there aren't apps like that out there yet. Um, and so if, if people are interested in that, unfortunately they have to like specifically go to their insurance company or have to pay like out of pocket. Um, and so I think that's like the barriers to getting care besides talk therapy. It's there. It's just the supply and demand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, That makes sense. All righty. Well, last question for you. Do you have any last words of wisdom for students or young professionals or anyone actually who maybe feels like they need to ask for help, but they're not sure where to start? I feel like as mental health, that like the landscape has been changing lately. It's really important to think about like sometimes the other person may be waiting for you to start that conversation. Like I feel like it's a waiting game. Everyone wants to talk about it. Most people have experienced some type of mental health crisis in their life. They just don't know or they don't know how to feel it out, whether or not it's safe um, to talk about it. And I always say, like, then you should take tiny steps. So tiny steps of saying, like, hey, have you ever had a moment where, like, you felt really anxious about this? Um, Kind of like to test the waters. And if that person is responsive and like gives you an answer, then I feel like that is a conversation of like, okay, maybe I can like talk a little bit more about it. And I think it like it's a natural conversation. But if someone just gives like a yes, no, then maybe that's not the right person to go to. Um, so I think it's the matter of like really just trying and putting yourself out there to have those conversations because even with me, like. Um, people would come, I would talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, like I've been wanting to talk about this, but like no one, like, I don't know, I don't think anyone wants to talk about it or I don't want to seem too sensitive or, um, you know, like break the mood. Um, And so I know everyone has probably been going through some kind of just mental health struggle. I think it's just important of like giving it a shot to start that conversation. I think that's how you amplify the voices when you're when you're the one who starts that kind of like domino chain in a way. Awesome. Thank you for that last piece of advice. And thank you again, Sharon, for joining us today. It was great chatting with you. Yes. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this conversation. Yes, me too. Thank you. Um, And to anyone tuning in, thank you for joining us. 
As always at Opal, we shine brighter together and we'll see you next time.